It's Wednesday, September 7th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, the Guardians come through again, uh, get their second win in a row at Kauffman Stadium, uh, 4-1. The story of the night, though, Shane Bieber uh, coming up big, eight innings and uh, seven strikeouts, really holding the, the Royals in check, despite not having his his best curveball, which you don't really uh, you don't really hear all that often from uh, Terry Francona and Shane Bieber that that Biebs didn't have his best curveball. Uh, but despite the fact that he didn't, he's, he was able to use his cutter and navigate the the, the Royals lineup uh, at a at a time when you know the Guardians needed him to go deep in a game. Uh, he did exactly what they needed him to do, and in the process, picked up career win number fifty. And strikeout number 800, uh, he's, you know, on a, as far as, you know, being the youngest or, or the fastest, uh, you know, what, fifth fastest uh, Cleveland pitcher to get to 50 wins and the second fastest in Major League Baseball history behind you, Darvish, to get to 800 strikeouts. Yeah, he was really, he, he was really efficient last night, Joe. And, and I like the fact that, in the third inning, uh, when when the Guardians took a two nothing lead, he came right back and uh, struck out the side in the bottom of the third in order. You know, just like uh, you know what you're supposed to do. You, you know what a number one guy is supposed to do. He gives up the home run, of course, to uh, you know to Perez in the fourth inning. But from that point on, he was in control to me. Yeah, Jose Ramirez coming through with the bases loaded single in the the top of that third inning. Uh, and and really, it was the bottom of the order that set things up for the top of the order, uh, and, and we haven't heard that very often uh, lately uh, with the the offensive struggles that the team has gone through. But it was Tyler Freeman, Austin Hedges, Miles Straw uh, coming through big, and the top of the order uh, delivering them in in that third inning. Yeah, that was impressive. Uh... In the, in the uh, third inning, uh, you know, Hedges draws a one-out walk. Then Straw singles him to second. Um, Quan lines out to left, but Rosario load, you know, loads the bases with a single to right. And, uh, you know, Ramirez comes through with a two-out single to left to give him a 2 nothing lead. And I, I believe that that gives Jose 108 RBIs, right, Joe? Right, yeah. He ended the night uh, second in the American League behind Aaron Judge. Who had 117? Uh, I'm starting to worry about Quan. Quan's lined out quite a bit after getting uh, two base hits in his first two at bats in this series, uh, and you know his his batting average at Kauffman Stadium was up over 5.30 after those two hits. Uh, now uh, he's 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 dropped way down in the into the the, the mid 400s with his uh, his Kauffman Stadium batting average, but. Uh, I would expect Quan to, to continue to, you know, hit the ball well at the ballpark. Every one of his his outs have been loud outs or, you know, uh, you know, well struck balls. It's just uh, he, he's uh, the rest of the series after those first two at bats uh, hasn't produced much. But just going back to to Miles Straw, uh, this was the first time since July eighth and ninth that that Straw's produced a game with multiple hits. Uh, back-to-back games with multiple hits. Uh, he had two hits on Monday, uh, another two hits on Tuesday, drove in a run, uh, had, what, five putouts in the outfield, running around like a gazelle out there in that giant outfield in uh, in Coffin Stadium. So, 
Uh, Miles Straw, you know, we, we haven't had a lot of opportunities to say this, but, you know, he, he, he turned in a, a really productive night. Yeah, that was uh, good to see. Hopefully, hopefully this guy is kind of digging, digging his way out of this uh, slump, you know, that, that he's been in since basically since what the end of April. So hopefully, uh, you know, he can get going and, uh, you know, they can keep him. He, he hits enough where they can keep him in center field on a regular basis, but because they're going to need his defense, Joe, I really thought, you know, we saw, you know, kind of the classic uh, Guardians offense again in the seventh when, you know, Freeman gets an infield single, uh, Hedges gets a single to right, and uh, and uh, Straw singles the center to uh, to score a Freeman for three to one lead, and that kind of put the game away. Yeah, that's uh, it, it, Cleveland's offense is it takes three to four hits in an <laughs> inning. Uh, to get one run, and and usually that's the way it goes. They they get the one run, and then they wind up wind up uh, stranding one or two base runners uh, after that. Uh, but you know, Straw, you mentioned Straw's defense. He Tito did uh, talk about Straw's defense uh, after the game and said, you know, no matter how much he's struggling at the plate, he never takes it with him to the outfield. He always gives you a, a good effort in in center, and and it's he's very reliable out there. Uh, Straw said uh, after the game, you know, hey, hey, if I'm not hitting, then nobody's getting a hit. So I'm, I'm going to take away as many hits as I can uh, if I'm not hitting at the plate. Uh, and, and he certainly did that uh, last night. There were a couple of times last night balls went up in the air and I thought, oh, man. And and he just sort of cruised under him and, you know, calm and, and collected. He looked uh, looked like there was no big deal. So, uh, yeah, it was. It was pretty much the the, the classic effort of uh, of this particular Guardians team uh, when it comes to how they scored runs, uh, how they prevented runs, and and how they they wanted their their pitchers to pitch. Uh, you got to mention James Karinchak coming in in the ninth. I thought Bieber might go out for the uh, the complete game and, and try and pick up his second complete game of the season. Uh, he was at uh, finished at 99 pitches. Uh, Karen Chat came out for the ninth and and uh, a, you know a one two three, I believe two strikeouts uh, a one two three inning and uh, the uh, the scoreless inning streak for Karen Chat reached 24 innings, uh, which is uh, again uh, it's impressive. 24 straight of anything is impressive. Uh, Karen Chat hasn't allowed. A run since basically his second appearance of the year. Yeah, he's he was uh, he was really it was really fun to watch him pitch. Strikes out the first two guys and you know ends it on a ground ball to short by Perez. Uh, and of course he was closing because Class A uh, you know it, it worked three days in a row. So it's good to know you know just you it's good to know you they've got an alternate. You know when when they run into situations like that and Karinchak you know didn't look. Uh, phased by the save situation and uh, you know that's that's a good sign uh, because you know I, I think this bullpen is really going to get used a lot you know in, in the in the last 28 games of the season Joe yeah particularly against Minnesota I think there there's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, calls to the pen and and maneuvering and and matching up uh, you know as much as possible with the rules <laughs> as you know will allow uh, moving forward uh so yeah, do we want to talk about Bieber's uh, 50 wins and 800 strikeouts here? Do we want to mention 
the company that he is in tying Bob Feller for, um, you know, fastest to 50 wins in, um, uh, in, in terms of not fast, but like, uh, over 108 starts, um, 108 appearances, I'm sorry for, for Beaver. He's, he reached 50 wins. Um, Bob Feller, uh, I believe Addy Joss is the leader with 63 uh, victories through his first 108 um, appearances. So, I, I mean, that's, that's pretty, uh, you know, high company there uh, when you're talking about these guys in terms of Cleveland pitching history. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he only made 16 starts last year, so he probably would have reached this a lot sooner if he didn't hadn't got, you know, hurt his shoulder last year. So, you know, it just goes to show you that, you know, he's been on a fast track since he got here, uh, you know, hit a little speed bump last year, but he seems to be, you know, kind of fully recovered. And, you, you know, the more he pitches, Joe, especially, you know, the later it gets into the season, it, it, it just looks like he gets better and better to me. He looks more in control, more confident, and, uh, you know, he's getting deep into the game. And it's, uh, it's you know, it's good to see. It's impressive, an impressive T- performance. Tito talked about how he's a master at his craft. And his craft is, make no mistake about it, uh, you know, getting deep in ball games and winning ball games is important. His craft is striking guys out. That's, that's just what he does. He goes out there and he carves up batters. And... Uh, for him to become the sixth Cleveland pitcher to reach 800 strikeouts by age 27 or younger, uh, that means he joins guys like Sam McDowell, uh, Feller, CC Sabathia, Trevor Bauer, Louis Tion. I mean, these are these are the names of some of the best pitchers in franchise history, and and he's right there at 800. Uh, you know, just going out there and you know, very methodically, very very sort of matter of factly it's like look uh this is what's working for me the curveball's not working the cutter's working today so uh, i'm going to get on you guys uh with the cutter and and get you uh you know later on when the curveball comes back the field comes back uh later on in the game uh start dropping those in for strikes and and the guys the the royals hitters didn't stand a chance yeah, and he's kind of doing it in a different way. You know, his his velocity is still it still isn't where it was in 2020, um, and uh, you maybe it will never get back there, or maybe you know it's starting to inch a little bit up, but maybe we won't see that until next year, or maybe this is just you know him reinventing himself, and this is how you know he's going to pitch for the rest of his career, and if that's if that's the case, it's pretty darn good, and you know it just shows you. You know, his ability to shift gears and, uh, you know, change and, uh, you know, use what you do best and, and you know, to make uh, adjustments. Yeah, Greg Maddox is in the Hall of Fame and, you know, he never threw 96 miles an hour. So uh, I, I think Shane Bieber can be effective and get to where he wants to be in his career, you know, throwing 93 mile an hour fastballs as long as his command is what it is and his uh, you know, just ability to uh, just pitch to guys. That's that's what Tito said. He's like, he pitched tonight. He pitched. And you lose the meaning of what, what he's saying behind that. It's that he didn't just go out there and throw the ball over the plate and have him swing and miss. He carved guys up and he he anticipated what they were, were looking for. And, and he he got them, you know, leaning and out front and, and off balance. And he he really is the epitome of, of of what you want in a starting pitcher and in an ace. Uh, you can't be more impressed with with what he did last night, and I don't think you can overstate it. 
No, he definitely. That was a, a big game. They needed it. They needed a, a you know a, a starter to go deep into the game to rest the bullpen. You know, for uh, today's game or tonight's game with you know Cody, Cody Morris, uh, rookie is making his second big league start. It's probably going to be kind of a bullpen game again, and uh, you know the bullpen will be rested because of the job Bieber did. Yeah, it, things set up now, uh, not only for this final game of the series, uh, with like you said, with Morris on the mound, and of course, uh, Zach Granke is coming off of the injured list to face the Guardians uh, for, for for the Royals, uh, and you know his his success against the against Cleveland is is well documented and and longstanding. So, you know, we'll see uh, how that goes uh, on the other side of the uh, the plate, but. Uh, you know, the Twins are, are in New York playing a doubleheader today. Uh, like we were talking before, he uh, the, the Yankees and, and Twins have one more game on Thursday after today. So they play basically three games in the space of 24 hours um, uh, before opening the series on Friday. Uh, Cleveland will have, uh, you know, McKenzie or we'll have Quantrill, McKenzie and then Bieber again on Sunday lined up for uh, that series in Minnesota. So as as it stands right now, before this game uh, Wednesday, uh, you know, if you're Terry Francona and Carl Willis, you, you can't ask for things to be lined up better than they are as long as people go out and execute. Yeah, I mean, that that's the best they have, you know, in, especially in light of, you know, losing Plesek and, and Savali to injuries. You know, you got your top three guys going. Thank goodness for uh, Thursday's off day. That allows you to set that up. And... Um, you know, that's, I mean, if you want, if, you know, if, if you, you couldn't have drawn it up any better considering uh, the injury circumstances, they're dealing with it. Yeah, you've got Aaron Savali and Zach Plesak on the injured list. Uh, the latest update on Savali was uh, he threw on Monday with the, uh, you know, the right forearm uh, soreness uh, and it, he was, he was down on Tuesday, was supposed to throw long toss on Wednesday so we'll see if he comes in able to do that uh, before the game on Wednesday. Uh, Plesak, we didn't get an injury update on him specifically, but he's dealing with the hand fracture. Uh, so you don't expect, you know, much in, in that regard uh, as the healing process continues. Uh, Morris is still up. I, I would expect, uh, you know, he, he could probably make, if he does, does get out to about 65 pitches tonight, uh, he can maybe make one more start, uh, possibly at some point in that um, Angels series uh, when they come back to the ballpark at, uh, in Cleveland next week. Uh, and, and then they need uh, somebody to come uh, for the rotation on the 13th or 14th. And, and that's where, um, you know, if Savali is able to come off the injured list, that's, that's a possibility. Or, you know, maybe they reach back down and, and bring back uh, – Xavion uh, Curry, or give the give a start to Connor Pilkington at that point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's hope uh, it'll be interesting to see how Morris does tonight. Uh, you know, he only lasted two innings in his big league debut. You know, Friday against uh, Seattle at at home, um, he threw a, threw a lot of pitches, Joe. I, you know, just from watching him on TV, you know, he throws hard, man. He he was throwing mm -hmm. ninety five to ninety nine miles an hour. But everything was right down the middle to me. It was pretty straight. He he's got a good changeup, you know, an off-speed pitch. But we didn't see it too often. So hopefully, 
you know, he gets, he has, he's found that and he can, you know, meld those two pitches together. Yeah, that's the, uh, in the warm-up on Friday before the game, uh, Carl Willis said that, that the Morris, you know, didn't really have his best changeup. And, and if he doesn't have his number two pitch, uh, especially going into that game, he, he's, he was open open to being, uh, uh, you know, attacked in, in that way. So uh, hopefully things go better for him tonight. Uh, as far as just, um, you know, the races around the league and, and where we're looking here, uh, the Mets and the Braves now tied 85 and 51 atop the uh, National League East. Uh, one of those teams is going to be the number one wild card in the National League. Uh, the other team is going to be the division champion and probably the number two uh, seed in the uh, National League uh, postseason. Uh, what's happened to the Mets? How have they come back to? Don't they have Timmy Trumpet? They have Edwin, Edwin Diaz. How? how <laughs> How is this Mets team not, uh, you know, pulling away? Or is it just the fact that the the Braves are are actually getting better? Yeah, I think it's the fact that it's probably a little bit of both, Joe. But the big thing is the Braves are getting better. I mean, you know, about, you know, about a month ago, they were 10 games out. Now, you know, they've won six straight. They've tied the uh, they've tied the Mets and the Mets have lost three straight they're, they just put Scherzer on the uh, the injured list. You know, they're kind of babying DeGrom. You know, the, 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 I think, you know, he's been great when he's pitched, but they can't keep him in the rotation. You know, they've got to be really careful with them. But but it's it must be nice to be either of those teams, Joe, because the odds on uh, ESPN have both of them at 99.9% of making the postseason. So, you know, whatever happens, we're going to be seeing them uh, – in uh, you know the second week of October or so. Yeah, and it's not like the the rest of the division is is that bad. I, I mean, uh, the Phillies are, are are contending for the wild card at least. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be fun to watch that race uh, as well as the the race in the the AL Central. Those are the two uh, that are the closest right now. And uh, you know, with the Guardians a game and a half up, and and you know these like we said eight eight head to head matchups between uh, the two clubs remaining. Uh, over the next couple of weeks here. Um, we've talked yesterday about uh, Aaron Judge and pretty much the no-brainer now that, that Judge is the American League uh, MVP and he should he should probably be the unanimous American League MVP. Uh, a little doubt in my mind there. Uh, let's talk about the American League Cy Young and, and what the situation is there. I mean, with Bieber, you know, coming on now the way that he has, does, does he have a chance to sneak into that you know, top three, top five uh, sort of area. Um, I, I have a list of candidates uh, in mind, but I, I'm curious to get your opinion on on who you think the at least the finalists will be uh, in that regard. Well, I think Otani's got to be up there, Joe. I think he's going to be a finalist. Um, you know, so, you know, I think, you know, those are the guys that that, that guy jumps out at me. Um, you know, Cole, of course, the uh, Garrett Cole, and um, you know, I, I but I don't know if anyone, you know, if I don't know if it, if I'd go with uh, Bieber as much as if I had to, if there was a candidate from uh, from Cleveland, I I might go with Quantrill. I think he's been, mm-hmm. you know, the mainstay of that staff. Yeah, and and he's he's put in the innings too, and that's the thing. He's he's logged. Uh, so many innings and and gone so deep in games and, and really helped the the rotation and the staff in that regard. Uh, Quantrill's had a, a hell of a season. He deserves 
maybe some down ballot consideration. Uh, you know, if if you're looking there, uh, I would say the the top two to three candidates right now, uh, Verlander in uh, in Houston, also Framber Valdez in Houston. Those yeah. two are 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 pushing at the top right now. And uh, you, you've got to give consideration to the White Sox and Dylan Cease and what he's been able to do. Dylan Cease just hasn't given up any runs this year. Uh, you know, he almost threw a no-hitter the other night. Uh, Verlander now on the injured list with uh, uh, an issue that's going to keep him off for, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. So uh, it's an opportunity for Cease to sort of step forward in his, in his next couple of starts here. Um you know, would be would be very interesting to see down the stretch between the two of those guys, uh, you know, who sort of separates himself uh, if Verlander can get back on the field and, and continue to pitch. But but, you know, that Dusty Baker is going to want to have an eye on the the postseason and getting Verlander ready and stretched back out and, you know, sort of, uh, you, you know, prepped and, and protected for that postseason because he values that more than, you know, any sort of uh, Cy Young Award consideration. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, Verlander has a calf injury. At least it's not an arm injury. So, but still, those can be tricky. And you got to, pitcher's got to have his legs under him. So that's an injury to watch. But Valdez is probably, you know, that's that's a good call, Joe. I mean, we've seen him twice, you know, against uh, Cleveland. And he's been dominant each time. I, I, he, you know, that would not surprise me if he, him and Caesar, him, sees Verlander, you know, that top three, oh, throw Tani in there. I think, you know, those are probably the four guys, four or five guys that, you know, main candidates. Yeah. Framber's got some sort of streak about, uh, you know, consecutive uh, quality starts and it's like 22 consecutive quality starts or something like that. And, and he's, he's just been, you know, dominant and uh, we, we've seen it, uh, you know, uh, with a lot of guys this year, but, uh, we've seen a lot of good pitchers this year. I mean, heck, Robbie Ray came out and and was yeah. fantastic against the the Guardians. Uh, I, I've seen uh, quite a few candidates who jump out in terms of guys who could be, but then you got to dig deeper and start looking at you know how many innings have they thrown? Uh, you know what's their what's their uh, fielding independent pitching things like that. It, you know are these are these numbers uh, masked by you know them playing on good teams with good offenses? Or is it more, um, you know, what they're doing specifically, just the the, the pitcher when he's in there one-on-one with a batter? So uh, th- those are the guys, uh, you know, Verlander, Cease, Otani, who's just, you know, Otani's just ridiculous. So what, what he's able to do in terms of pitching. And then you gotta, you have to consider that he's a, a hitter as well when, when you're talking about that award. Even though it's not in the criteria, you, it has to be in the back of your mind that he's doing all of this while he's, you know, in between his every f- uh, fifth day, he's going out there and, and playing uh, and, and hitting in the in the lineup. So uh, it's it's really an amazing feat uh, what he's able to do. And I think he's going to be a, a Cy Young finalist candidate uh, every year that he's he's continues to do it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. As long as his uh, level of uh, production, you know, stays where it's at, where it's been the last two years, He's a hard guy to ignore. I mean, you can't ignore it if you're a baseball fan. Well, I mean, you could ignore it if you're the the Angels' uh, ownership, and you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you start uh, putting them on the trade market or whatever, and, and uh, you're you're selling the team. I, I I guess you can ignore him, uh, but it's kind of at your own detriment. 
All right, Hoinsey, uh, big game tonight. Uh, Cody Morris, Zach Granke uh, on the mound in Kansas City will wrap up this series. Uh, and then we head into an off day. Everybody catch their breath and, and, and relax. And uh, maybe I'll talk to you from the Denver airport uh, on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> one, one nugget, Joe. Yes, the, sir. The Cleveland's magic number oh, is no. 28. Oh wow, we have a, we have a magic number. Uh, this is this is amazing. Okay, well we'll uh, we'll we'll keep watching that magic number and 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 how long it takes that magic number to to shrink. But uh, we're on the clock, so Hoinsey, we'll uh, we'll check in with you again uh, tomorrow here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast.